design this series is, you know, our pastors are rotating through our locations with a particular topic on how Jesus affects that topic in the life of an individual. The thing about the Jesus effect is Jesus is not an add-on, right? Jesus is not a supplement to what we're doing. Jesus is everything. For those who are Christ followers in the house today, Jesus changes everything in our life. Every part of our life that's the big deal, that, that it's not just one segment of our life, it's all segments of our life. And you know, I like this scripture, and we're gonna read it out of 2 Corinthians chapter five, when it comes to the Jesus effect, and it says that we, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. The thing about this is, when we're in Christ, instinctually everything becomes new. What I love about Jesus is he does something supernatural in the inside of a man and woman who is in Christ, who, who have found themselves separated from God, but put their faith in Christ and, 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 and was born again into God's spirit, and the news passes away. And, and I mean, the old passes away and everything becomes new. And it's an, it's an amazing thing, it's a miracle. And what I've learned about this life of faith in 2000, year 2000, I gave my life to Christ and everything became new. I didn't have to read something in the book, but books are good. It wasn't that the preacher who was preaching was telling me everything I uh, needed to do or how to embrace God. All of a sudden, it happened organically. It happened because God was in me, the hope of glory. And when I came to a place like this, when I heard the preacher preaching, when I heard the word of God being taught, it was just confirmation in my heart that I was already following God. How many of you know that's, that's cool when you come to church and you're like, God was just talking to me about that last week. The Bible says that as many who are led by the spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God and everything becomes new. Jesus changes everything. He changes your perception. He changes your motivation. He changes your heart. He changes your lifestyle. And ultimately, he changes your work or your occupation. I'm gonna talk to you about occupation today. Work, work. Acts 17, verse 28, it says, for in him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being because he's the source of our existence. He's the principle of life. And we work in him. We work in him. You know, I think work's got a bad rap. I mean, you know how it is. I, I really do. I think work's got a bad rap. And a lot of people potentially look at work like it's a curse. The old curse of work. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, if I could stop working, this, everything would be all right. And man, it's going to be real good. And, and, and I think our perception of work has to change. Jesus has to affect the way we look at our occupation. And the first thing we've got to realize is that God actually created work. God did. He created occupation. He created vocation. In the beginning, you know, I like to go back to the beginning, the original text where we see God mentioning work for the very first time in the human race 
And when we do that, we realize that it was God's actual intention that we worked in creation. A part of his creation system is that we would work. And uh, everybody said amen to that. All right, yeah, man, this is fantastic. You guys are already encouraging me, you know, because I don't think the last service wanted to work. <laughs> yeah, they weren't real happy when we started talking about occupation. But, uh, you know, when it comes to occupation, we've got to realize that in its purest form, occupation was for God's glory and our benefit or our pleasure. And can you imagine if God created man and, 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 and just sat him there and say, you have nothing to do? A lot of you are in a crisis when you figure out you have nothing to do. Thank God for Facebook, you can do something. <laughs> but it really, it was for our benefit, man. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you could only walk around the garden so many times and know where everything's at, and then it's like, you know, what are we gonna do now? You know, and so, but in its purest form, God created work for us as part of his creation, and we see it in Genesis chapter two, verse 15. Now, before we read this scripture, what we have to realize is this is before sin entered into the race of mankind. So again, this was not tainted by sin at all. It was pure in, in, in God's intention. In verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, to work it and to keep it. Basically what he did is when he put man in the garden, he said, I'm calling you, I'm commissioning you, I'm empowering you to production and conservation. To production and conservation. And that's what the word work means. It means production. It means to produce something with our hands to produce something with our mind, to produce something with our life. It's like a masterpiece. Our production is like a masterpiece. It's a privilege that we get to do it. He's like, till the ground, work the ground, labor in it, work at it. He said, that's what you're gonna do. And then he said, you're gonna keep it. You're gonna conserve it. You're gonna guard it. You're gonna watch after it. You're gonna preserve it. And isn't that a beautiful picture? You know, it's a, it's a wonderful picture of, of the way God intended it to be. And you know, when you think about work, again, I, I believe that there's the effects of sin in our work. I, I think that sin actually affects our work. You know, the aftermath of sin, let's put it that way. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I, I mean in the beginning where, where sin entered the race of human beings I believe we still are feeling the aftermaths of that in our vantage point. I like to call it the filter we see the world through. Or we can put it this way, the filter we look at our occupation through. I think it's affected by sin. I really do. I think this is on the dashboard of a lot of our cars, right? Genesis chapter three, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. Are you excited about work still? <laughs> the sweat of your brow get to work. You're, this is a curse. But one day we're gonna be floating on clouds in heaven. That's what people think, you know what I'm talking about? He said amen. <laughs> this message is for you. No, I'm just kidding. Just picking what you don't get offended. Now, God 
intended us for, to work, but a lot of times our vantage point of work is a curse. It's like, man, I can't wait for hump day. You know what I'm talking about? It's five o'clock somewhere. Right? And, and I'm a weekend warrior. And, we, and sometimes we live for that moment that we're off of work. Now, I'm gonna talk a little bit about work-rest rhythm because I think it's important. But I think the way we view occupation has to change. It has to be affected by Jesus. It has to be affected by Jesus. The stats say that the average person spends a lifetime working or occupation, vocation, 90,000 hours is the average. So I'm gonna spend 90,000 hours ultimately, a little bit less, some a little bit more. I'm gonna spend 90,000 hours in occupation. And woe is to, to the individual. Like, man, it's so depressing for me if those 90,000 hours, I'm just thinking it's the curse. This is the curse, the sweat of my brow, the sweat of my brow. I'm dust and I'm gonna return. You know, 13% of people actually say they are fulfilled in their job. Only 13% say that I have any type of passion or fulfillment in my occupation. 63% uh, of people say that they're unhappy in their job. You know what I mean? Just like, man, you know, it's the J-O-B. That's what it is. And that's, that's all it is. And psh, eh, you know, one day I'm gonna retire. 24% uh, of people actually say they hate their job. I mean, downright hate their job. You know how I'm talking about. When you get around, they're talking about that job. They're cursing that job. They can't stand that job. Now, there is a time to move from job A to job B. It's called transition. We're gonna talk a little bit about that, but people live in this mindset. And the reason I said that, because I don't want this message to be portrayed that, well, I really don't like my job, but after Pastor Casey talked, I've got to love my job and stay here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus affecting your vantage point on occupation. There's seasons of occupation here, and you might have a season of occupation in another field working. It's not a matter of the field. It's a matter of our vantage point and who we're doing it for. It's the Jesus effect. And, you know, when you talk to people about why do we work, like what's the why behind work, some common answers, and we know it, and some of these things are good because profit's for a purpose, but it's to pay my bills. Why do you work? I got to pay those bills, y'all. <laughs> Man, you know what I'm talking about? They're they going to turn my lights off, and look, I got to eat. I'm hungry. You know what I mean? I'm, I got to get to Walmart. I'm going down to Publix. I'm going somewhere. I'm getting some food. You know, it's Father's Day, and so I know a lot of you guys are already marinating the meat, ready, ready to go. And that's why you have a job, to put that grill on. Come on, somebody. Turn on them charcoals with a little bit of smoke and flames and seasoning. Some people say, you know what, the reason I work is the measure of my success is based on my occupation. And so I'm able to measure my life based on my occupational status, where I find myself in the org chart, Right? You know, and measuring my success. Uh, other people say the reason I work is money, 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 money. <laughs> that was my audition for Infuse, by the way. Now, that's why I'm working. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what the whole point is, right? 
And, and some say, you know what? My occupation actually defines my identity. I'm, I'm, I'm finding my identity in my occupation. And, and I think this again is the aftermath of what sin did. You remember in the garden, I showed you the beautiful picture of work. We, we talked about the sweat of the brow where sin enters in and taints our understanding of occupation. And though we are Christ followers, I still believe there's an aftermath of our perception of occupation that affects us today. That's why Jesus has to change the, the, the course of the way we look at occupation. Because if not, we'll find ourselves in what I call the identity in work crises. So crises to find our identity in occupation. So crises, you know, you either have an achieved identity or a received identity. If you're finding your identity in your occupation, you have an achieved identity. If you're finding your identity in Christ, you received an identity. And see, the Christian identity is the only identity that's received and not achieved. And it's a trap. Again, I think it's the aftermath, the sweat of your brow, the rat race, right? The, the comparison analysis. I'm gonna climb the ladder of success and I'm gonna progress because that's gonna determine my identity. And we're gonna talk about progress in a moment. But it's an achieved identity. It's rooted and built on my own performance. The problem is what happens when you can't perform so well. Do you lose your identity? If it's built in your occupation, it will. It's not God's way. It's not God's intention. That's not God's formula for occupation. It's not. It is a trap, and it will wear you out. Let me tell you something. It'll wear you out good. It'll, <laughs> it'll sucker punch you every time. What we've got to realize is that identity in Christ is the starting point and the foundation from which we build our work. God created man and woman and then he said work. He said, this is your identity. You're created in my image and it was good. And so when we start there, Jesus actually changes everything about our occupation because our motivation has been moved from this side the sin nature to this side, the righteousness of God found in Christ. And from that platform, I build, I work, I till the ground, right? I'm producing and I'm conserving through that filter. And I might add, it's not always easy to keep that filter on. You, you gotta work with it. You gotta, you gotta fight the good fight of faith. You gotta re-anchor yourself in the why I'm doing what I'm doing. Constantly, by the way, this is not like, yep, you're right, I got it. No, 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 you gotta work at this. You, you, you gotta allow the Lord to continue to change your heart when it comes to occupation. You know, Jesus will change everything. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life because you put your faith in Jesus, essentially what happens to you is what happened to Jesus, right, when he was baptized. You know what happened to him? God said this about Jesus when he was baptized. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He said, I'm well pleased in my son before the cross. He said, I'm well pleased in my son before his ministry stint. 
Before he had any type of performance, God said, I am well pleased. That equates to identity. And that's what happens when we, when we put our hope in Jesus, when we're translated from darkness into light, when, when we are being led by the spirit of God, we are sons and daughters of God. And now we work and have our being and move forward from that vantage point, period. And that's a real big deal. It's the starting point. Basically what Jesus is saying is that I love you not because of your perfection, but because of my perfection. He said, I don't love you because of your performance, but because of Jesus's performance. We're motivated by the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. That's the core motivation. And, and, and what's so amazing about Jesus, he will change the core motivation of our life when it's in regards to occupation. When the core motivation changes within your occupation, or your occupational status, I think there's a new vigor. I think there's a, there, there's a new stamina that sets in. Because then you realize that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it from a new core, to, core motivation and it doesn't necessarily matter what my status is right now. Does that make sense? And Jesus changes everything and he loves us. He loves us because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. God loves us because of that work. He loves us so much he sent Jesus. It says that he, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God is found in Christ Jesus. Thus, Jesus changes everything, including our occupation. So, so what we see here is a beautiful picture before sin. Genesis chapter two, verse 15, man in, in the garden with God, you're gonna keep it, you're gonna work it. It's for my glory, it's for your benefit. We see sin come into the picture. By the sweat of your brow, you're gonna eat from the land and eat bread. And then dust you became and dust you're gonna go back. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, the redeemer. And the Bible says that he became a curse so that we're, we're, we're not cursed. And so what I see is Jesus actually changes everything in regards to occupation. He reverses the curse, the sweat of the brow, right? Back to Genesis chapter two, verse 15, saying that I'm occupying, I'm producing for your glory and my pleasure, God. I'm not living right here. That's the curse of work any longer because Jesus changed my life. You, yep. Yeah. And so I know you hate your job. I, I know you, you don't want to work. Some of us. Another little side note, the curse also affects us in working too much. We become workaholics because we are rooted in an identity crisis. We really are. If your heart works in the way of Christian identity, which is how we're gonna occupy, this is how we're gonna produce, this is what happened. Success won't destroy you through inflated pride. But watch this, failure won't destroy you either through inadequacy. Nobody bats a thousand. We're gonna have inadequacies in our life, but we're not affected. In our, we're gonna have inadequacies on the job. We're, 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 our performance is, is, is gonna go up and down sometimes. And then, but if we're living in that cursed mindset, then everything starts falling apart versus saying, you know what? My identity is in Christ and him alone. And then I'm going to do my occupation. And, and it happens because failure comes. It's a part of life. 
Failure comes as a part of life. Success comes as a part of life. I like to say this, if you are successful, it goes to your head, but if you're unsuccessful, it'll destroy your heart. That's not what God intended in our occupation, but that's the trap. That is the world system. Um, the, the Bible says that we are being um, conformed into the image of Jesus. We're, no long, we're being transformed and we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. No, we're, we're not affected anymore by the world's system or the world's way of looking at success and failure. We're affected by Jesus and from that vantage point, we live. We live. So if you're, if you're successful, it goes to your head. If you're unsuccessful, it goes to your heart. One author said this, he said, when I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth, it destroyed my work. Think about that with me. When, when I made the, that means if, <clears throat> if I'm up here just to sound good, I'll, I'll put it in my context, if I'm up here to get every word right or, 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 or be a wonderful keynote preacher so that I can feel good about myself and you can pat me on the back, then it's gonna destroy my work. It's gonna destroy my work. I'm gonna be ineffective. I'm in a trap. It can happen to you. When you make the quality of your work, the measure of your worth, it's gonna destroy the work. No longer is that work pure anymore. No, no longer is that work for glory. No, no longer are you able to look in the, at the fruit of your labor and give thanks to God. Because then all of a sudden you're in this trap. You're in this comparison trap. It's real easy to get in that. Just turn, turn on Facebook and Instagram while you're on vacation. Give you some core motivation tips for when you get back to your occupation. Right? You know, you, you, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. But with Jesus, he changes everything. And one of the things he also changes is who I actually work for. It's a great question to ask yourself. Who do I work for? You know, because we, we can rail on our employer and as an employer, we can rail on the people who are working for us. Who am I working for? Like really, at the end of the day, who am I working for? Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you're working for Jesus. I mean, you are. Ultimately, you are working for God, right? You're intended to produce for God. It don't matter where you're at, you're working for God. It's a, it's a different vantage point, I'm telling you. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse 23 says, what, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Think about that. When you're, when you're in your occupation, you're actually serving the Lord Christ. I know you don't, it's, it's, a, it's a different way to look at things. It, it really is. I think it can salvage your heart if you start looking at it this way. I mean, who, who you work for will determine uh, what you do and how you do it. I mean, who you work for. I'm working for Jesus, not for man. So ultimately, um, my work is premium, right? So my work becomes premium in the sense of my motivation of work. And so the best I can do is the best I can do, right? What, what I love, uh, you know, Pastor Van said this many years ago. Pastor Van, by the way, is our former lead pastor. 
He's sitting right here on the front row. He said this many years ago, and we were talking about men's capacities. He said, you know, if you go outside and you look at the trees out there, not every tree is the same height. Not every tree has the same fruit. And, 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 and I have to be satisfied with the capacity God has given me. And, 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 and if my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work and toil as under the Lord, not to man. And I'm gonna make that tree the best it can be, no matter what the height is or what type of fruit it is. I'm not concerned about your tree. I'm concerned about my tree. And, and, and again, that can save you some drama on the job. You know what I'm talking about? Drama on the job. <laughs> I, I was adding, well, I'm gonna move on. Hang on, let's just keep moving. <laughs> Drama on the job. You know what that means. As a follower of Christ and as an employer or an employee, you often should exceed industry standards because you're working for God not the man, not the man. And you, by the way, you have to remind yourself of that regularly, especially when you leave that Monday meeting. <laughs> right, no, you know what I'm saying. It's not about how good that employee or employer is. It's about who I'm working for. And that's the problem. You know, we actually idolize the performance of our employer versus saying I'm serving God here. And then we're tainted in our work and our worth. And the list goes on and on and on. But when Jesus restores us, all of a sudden our occupation, our work actually becomes our platform. Think about it, that our work is a platform to reflect the image of God to the world around us. Our occupation, our actual occupation. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I'm working right now. You know, this happens to be part of my occupation at this particular juncture in life. So yes, I'm working right now. So this is occupation that's a platform. But guess what? My occupation is no better than your occupation. We're both followers of Jesus. We're both called to reflect Jesus to the world around us. And so our occupation becomes his platform, not mine. Think about that. Your occupation is God's platform to use and to utilize. It's a vehicle for God. You know, there was a pastor, one, he preached a series and uh, his series was called We're Made for Mondays. He had coffee cups made and t-shirts made and why don't you think, I think that's a good thought. You were made for Mondays. You're like, I wish I wouldn't have came to church today. I mean, I'm not really interested in Monday. <laughs> I understand. Look, I, I understand. And there's some reasons for that. But your work is a platform. The marketplace, think about this. The marketplace can often be the dark place where the light of the gospel can shine. See, our occupation is greater than just the profit that we're going to receive from it. Our occupation is a platform in a dark place where the light of the gospel can shine. It's a vehicle for God to use. Matthew 5, 14 says, you're, a, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are. Your occupation. Remember, you're in your occupation for 90,000 hours plus. Don't you think God wants to maximize that? Don't you think you can capitalize on that? Absolutely. You better believe it. You were made for Monday. 
There was a guy that said this. He said, uh, we don't need Christians pulling out of their jobs to be a witness. We need Christians who will stay in the marketplace and make their faith real. It's a trap to think that there's not ministry in the marketplace, that ministry is only in the church, which by the way, there's about 168 hours in a week, right? Seven hours a day, 24 24 hours a day, seven days a week, approximately about 168 hours. How many hours are you in the church? Approximately two to three hours. What are you gonna do with the 166 hours? Ministry's in the marketplace, everybody. Let me tell you something. Now we minister one to another as as the family of God. I'm I'm not throwing that out. But what I'm saying is 90,000 hours. I'm talking about return on investment. I'm talking about 90,000 hours in the marketplace. Man, and, and, and <clears throat> what happens is I believe, uh, and, and it was stemmed back long ago, it's called dualism, separation of, of marketplace and ministry. And it's a trap because what happens is people think ministry only happens in these walls about three hours a week. Versus I'm being equipped to actually go do ministry in the marketplace. Because I was made for Monday. You know, A.W. Tozer said this about this idea. He said, one of the greatest hindrances to the internal peace, which the Christian encounters, is the common habit, it's a common habit, of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. Exactly what I was talking about. What I'm doing right here is sacred, but what I do on Monday is secular. Trap number one. I might add what you do on Monday is very sacred when, when, when it's who you're doing it for and why you're doing it. It's unbelievable. Let me tell you something. It's unbelievable. He said, as these areas are conceived to exist apart from each other and to be morally and spiritually incompatible, like they're, they're not compatible. You know, I come to church and this is great and then you know what? Monday's the curse and it's no good. It's incompatible And as we are being compelled by the necessities of actually living, we're always crossing back and forth from one to the other and our inner lives tend to break up. And so we live a divided life versus a unified life, the sacred and the secular. It's a trap. We we are here to be equipped and encouraged, love one another, yes, so that when we go out into the marketplace, we are effective. That's what we're being equipped to do. We are the church right? We are the church. The word church, when you translate it, it actually means the called out ones, ones that has been called out of darkness into the light. It's not about Northwood. Now, I'm thankful for Northwood, the organization of Northwood that that we we put a title on, and it's what you do, nonprofit, 501c3 in America. I mean, that's what we do. But guess what? Without you, there is nothing but an empty building with a name. There is no church, we just happen to use sheetrock rooms with a microphone right now, but we're, we're being equipped to actually go be the church. We're, we're, we're going to be the church, man. When we Look, this again, two hours a week you're in here, maybe. You can go to small group, three hours, great. So it, it, it's wrong thinking. Dualism is wrong thinking, the sacred and the secular. Man, I'm gonna go out there and, and Monday's the sacred. Talking to a guy about five years ago and he began to complain about his occupation. Literally, he hated his occupation. And I said, man, let's meet. Let's talk about that. Because, you know, I'm an objective. I'm a problem solver. Let's go get another job, man. Stop complaining. Get out there and make it. Let's do this. Come on, man. There's lots of jobs you can get, man. Come on. You know, it just takes a little bit of faith. But now I said, well, listen to me. Why? 
Was it the money? No, he thought it was decent money. It was because the guys at the job were talking about things that were unholy. I said, man, expound. This is interesting, expound. And he began to give me a bunch of uh, words that I'm not gonna repeat right now, unfortunately. I'm on a microphone. But (laughs) you get the story. It was an evil place. I said, dude, this is fantastic. I said, man, I'm a little bit jealous. You know, I'm right here, back here. I'm like in the priest in the back of the room, but I'm, I'm a raging tiger to get out in the marketplace. Come on, man. What are you doing, bro? And he just looked at me and said, I came to the wrong pastor for counsel. <laughs> he wanted me to pray for him and say, thus thou art so holy thou art. Leave your job and come to the holy place where no one sees you anymore. We'll put fine linen cloth on you and a little bit of hat, a little bitty hat, and you can utter prayers all day if that's what you thought I did. You're wrong. And I'm not condemning ministers, by the way. Let me put that out there for those of you who are getting offended already. I'm not condemning ministers. I think there's a spot of occupation for everybody. What I'm saying is that mindset was wrong. He thought it was a curse and he was looking for the holy place. But guess what? The Bible, t- the Bible I read says signs, wonders, and miracles shall follow those who believe. And you can become the salt of the earth if you work at it and change your motivation. You might actually have influence and do something great for God. And I was like, man, what do you think about that? He said, I, I, I gotta go. I said, get out of my office. I don't wanna look at you no more. Just picking. Weak. Wrong mindset. Wrong mindset. You're made for Monday. Great reformist Luther said this. He said, the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ on wit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household task. All works are measured before God by faith alone. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So our intention is to reflect God to the world through our occupation, through our work. Man. You know, I was listening to a podcast by an American pastor, theologian, and apologist. His name's Tim Keller, and he was talking to a room full of, larger than this, a room full of seminary students. And he said, you know, in my formal training, I I believe that I had a little bit of error in me or my mindset was a little bit wrong. And he said, you know, in my early phases, I saw Christians maturing the more time they spent in these walls right here. That was almost like a mark of maturity for me as a pastor. The The better the attendance, the better the faithfulness, the more mature you are. Now, again, let me side note, I'm not saying we shouldn't come together. I'm not saying we shouldn't be faithful. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the mindset, and and this is what he said. He said, I saw and realized that I had not been taught to disciple people in their whole life. Spent a lot of time teaching people what to do basically within these walls versus out in the marketplace. That's one of the reasons, the core motivations we're doing, Jesus changes everything. You know, we talked in Romans about how the gospel affects everything and uh, every part of our life, not just one part, not just the two hours you're here. Come on, somebody. Ministries in the marketplace, and Jesus affects that. 
So I want to visit a couple things real quick. The first thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to work or occupation is the occupation or the work rest rhythm. Look, in the beginning when God worked, he created the, the heavens and the earth. He created the birds and, uh, and, and, and the animals of the field. He created humans. And he said, you know what? It was good. And it said he rested on the, on, on the seventh day, which, which tells me that we have to have a work rest rhythm in order to maintain effectiveness. And many of us fail on this and our health suffers and no longer are we holistically living in a work rhythm pattern. We're either workaholics or we have so much going on that we, 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 we failed to create proper boundaries by the spirit of God in our life. And th thus we hate our jobs, man. You know what I mean? When you finally get on vacation, it, 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 literally you're burnt out already. You know what I mean? You got adrenal fatigue and it's just, it's terrible. It's the rat race, man. It's not God's intention. We should work hard, but we should rest right. We should work hard. We should, but I think that the enjoyment of your work will enhance if you understand the work rest rhythm. I will say this about work rest rhythm is that you have to customize it to a degree. See, your work rest rhythm won't work just like my work rest rhythm will work because I'm a different person. I'm in a different context. My brain operates differently. You know what I'm talking about? I used to be a workaholic. You know what I mean? If I'm not here, I'm gonna work. If I'm not, if I'm work, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna work, and that's what I'm doing. I'm working. And I feel fine. Don't tell me to rest. You're weak. That's what I thought. You know, I don't, I'm gonna work, 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 work. And you know what? I'm, I, and I felt the effects of that. You know, I started burning. I didn't burn out, I just started burning. You know, and it was hot in the room. <laughs> You've got to find a work rest rhythm. It's very, very important. All right? So think about that when it comes to occupation. You say, I don't have any money. It has nothing to do with work rest rhythm. Vacations has nothing to do with a work rest rhythm. It's not about money. It's about boundaries. Number two, what about progress and promotion? What about progress and promotion? Let me talk about progress. What I'm preaching today is not telling you to stay somewhere where you don't feel like God's wanting you to stay. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is what are you, how are you viewing your occupation where you are and that you should finish well? When I, when I gave my life to Christ, I burned zero bridges. I could, I could probably go back to any one of my former employees and if they had money in the check, they would hire me on right away. I was there because I, I was, my work was changed when I met Jesus. And so if you don't like, what about progress? I'm talking about it, progress. Progress is good. You know, God brings us on a journey of faith. God, God will bring you on a journey of faith and saying, hey, this season is over and you're moving to a new season. But I will say this, no matter what season you're in, if you don't carry the mindset of Christ in this season, you won't carry it into this new season, even though the new season seems like the grass is greener on the other side, it's just gonna be another, uh, another type of rodent that's eating your field up. So regardless, if you like the season where you're at, change the vantage point in the season that you're at and progress by faith and give it all you got and finish well as you move forward. What about promotion? What about promotion and occupation? Well, what I found with Jesus is that 
When I was on the job because of Jesus, I began to add value to that employer. I began to add value to that employee. I began to add value to that company, not because of how good the boss was, not because of how well his attitude was or wasn't, not about my paycheck or my, my, my uh, title. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't about that. It was about, I'm working vigorously for the Lord. And so I'm going to add value to you, whether I agree with you or not. My motive, I'm working for a higher, I'm working for the master. I'm working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have nothing to do with it. I wouldn't tell my boss that. He'd say, well, if that's the case, you're out. See where you're going to get your money from. Now that's what I'm talking about. But <clears throat> promotion comes from the Lord. So there's two ways to promote yourself. There's two ways. So I, I can, I can, I can uh, come into this way, which is dog eat dog, right? Rat race, uh, comparison and competition. Uh, uh, do whatever it takes to get to the top and you will get to the top. So a lot of people say, you won't get to the top like that. Yes, you will. A lot of people's gotten to the top like that. <laughs> or your core motivation can change and say that I'm not working for promotion, I'm working for the Lord and promotion comes from God, but he'll use man to do it. What do I mean by that? If I add superior value, man will notice. But I'm not doing it for man to notice, I'm doing it for the Lord, but guess what man notices? Some might even ask, why are you so, why are you so passionate about this job? I'm, it's not that I'm passionate about this job, I'm passionate about Jesus. I mean, look. I've been in the marketplace. I understand the marketplace. You know what I mean? And, and I've been elevated in the marketplace, but not because I was seeking elevation, because I was adding value. Promotion comes by adding value, everybody. Change that core motivation and you'll be glad you did because when you add value, you begin to serve people with no strings attached on your job. You begin to serve that employer, not by well he treats you, but by how much you know Jesus. You begin, you begin to serve those employees, not, not because of their performance, but because you're adding value because of Jesus. Now you might have to fire a few. That's not what I'm saying. It's all about core motivation because our profit is actually for a purpose. It is, and the purpose is a platform for God to use. My hopes for you is that when you go out into the marketplace, that your heart would change, that, that you wouldn't walk out with a cursed mindset, but you would walk out as a son and daughter of God. Doesn't matter how long you're gonna stay where you are. It's not about that. It doesn't matter how good the environment is where you are. Doesn't matter. It's, it, it's my heart is changed. And now I'm gonna affect everywhere that I am because of Jesus because my occupation, my 90,000 plus hours is intended for his glory and my, my pleasure, my benefit. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? You know, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna give the, the lady and the man in this room right now an opportunity to respond to the calling of God. God's the one who calls. He's the initiator of our faith. We don't call ourselves. And it, and, it, and it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him or put all their trust in Jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. It's not from anything that I've done or can do. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And the Holy Spirit, 
is God's agent on the earth. He manages the affairs, if you would, of humans. It says the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and eternity to come. And so where, wherever you are right now, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's tugging on your life, you know it's God. And you'd say, I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now. And it's simply we're putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. We're believing in it. We might not understand all of it, but it's a measure of faith. We call it saving faith. And so if that's you in the room, I'm gonna pray a prayer, a simple prayer. Just a little prayer to put together to what God's already doing in your life. And you're just gonna repeat after me. Are you gonna say, that's me, God? And God sees you right where you are. And you're just gonna say, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender to your calling on my life. Jesus, I wanna thank you for dying on the cross for me as an individual, for taking my sin, my inadequacy, my inability to hit the mark and, and, and wiping the slate clean through your precious blood. I, I submit to that right now. I might not understand it, but Holy Spirit, I submit to you. Jesus, you're mine. I surrender to your call in Jesus' name. And Lord, I wanna pray over every person right now, God, when it comes to occupation. God, wherever, wherever they are in their job status, whatever the pressure they feel with financial burden, God, all these things are real, but God, I'm praying that you would change our heart filter when it comes to occupation. God, I pray that you would promote people as they deserve promotion. God, I pray that you would bless people. I pray, God, that, that you would supply all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. But God, ultimately, that you would change our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. Everybody. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, we have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, uh, you can check out all of our past sermons, all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and uh, even give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media and to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching and hope to see you soon.